Today on episode number 345 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Transforming a University with Adanelli Jimenez, Adrian Delgado, and Jenny Vargas. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahovia, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. On today's episode, I'm joined by three individuals who have changed the university where I teach immensely, Adanelli Jimenez, Adrian Delgado, and Jenny Vargas. Adanelli is a recent December 2020 graduate from Vanguard University, which is also where I teach. She has her bachelor's in business administration and was one of the members to start up the Living Well Community Resource Center. The center is a student-led organization for students to receive food and other supplies needed to help them through college. Adrian is a business administration major who enjoys spending his free time taking pictures, trying new things, and helping others however he can. Jenny is a current undergraduate student majoring in psychology at Vanguard University. Jenny was recently part of a summer undergraduate research program that studied the experiences of first-generation college students. Some of Jenny's passions include decreasing negative stigmas about mental health and being an ally for those who live with a disability. Jenny, Adrian, and Adanelli, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. Hi. Thank you for having us. Hi, thank you. Uh, None of you have to go back as far as I do to remember your first early days of college, but I want to hear a little bit from you about your response of what you thought that college would be like and then how it actually turned out. And I think I'll start with Jenny. Yeah, so I think that I thought college is definitely going to be like the movies. I think I romanticized it very much a lot of going out with friends, going to the beach, a lot of social things, you know, just getting together, meeting new people. And it was, however, I, I think mentally, I was very, very overwhelmed overall, just because I knew that I was going to learn about myself and have very, very new, difficult challenges ahead of me. But I was like, oh, I'll get through. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But, and I did, and I have However, when I was very much in the midst of it, I had, I like learned very early on and very quickly, I can't do this alone. I need my friends. I need my professors. I need my family to back me up because when, especially as a first generation college student, when you have that new, I guess the sense of this pressure that, okay, you need to do it and you need to do it right. No mistakes. Don't mess up. Get your grades, get the scholarship, like do whatever you have to do to succeed. So failure isn't in the vocabulary and it's not in the path at all. But sometimes I did mess up. And when I did, I was very, very hard on myself. And I had to learn to just like give myself grace and go with my friends and have my little one-on-ones with them. Um, so 
yeah, I think that's how I, w- I thought college would be a lot more romanticized, very social and all that stuff. But I wasn't expecting to be very overwhelmed very quickly, right on. That was, I would say, definitely my first two years. Yeah, that's for me so far. Jenny, do you happen to remember either a TV show, a specific one, or a movie, a specific one that is representative of like that fantasy of what college was oh, going to be so like? Hard. I know I, it may it may I be think, hard. <laughs> I mean, okay, High School Musical. Okay, how they're all they're like always together, and like I know that's not a college, but I really thought that's how college was going to be. Like we go to classes, and then we go hang out after school. We go get coffee, and we just like. I don't know, maybe break out to spontaneous singing or something like that. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know why I just, I just did that. But yeah, I think I would compare it to High School Musical or, you know, those. Yeah, it was fun. It really was. For people who may not be familiar with, if maybe they haven't listened to the podcast or, or looked up where I happen to work or where you um, attend <laughs> or attended school, we do. It's I just think about the brochures. It's not like they're lying and like because it is by the beach and it's beautiful. I mean, oh my gosh, Southern California. But like once you're there, it's kind of exactly. like, yeah, but it's not, it's not exactly. It's not yeah, exactly like no one like tells that. you you're gonna need a car to go to the beach. Just yeah. remember that. You no, know? so and but we don't think of that. So yeah. Oh, I wonder how long it would take to walk there. Hey, that's a story for another day. <laughs> All right, let's go next to Adrian. How about for you? What did you think college would be like versus what it actually was? So actually, like Jenny, I thought it was going to be really social. I thought you were going to hang out with everyone there. You were going to be friends with everyone. You got to go out a lot. But in reality, it's not. So, I mean, going to school is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought, I was like, oh, I can breeze by. But it's actually very difficult. Like your first year and as a first-gen college student, you have to face these obstacles that other people don't because you've never been through this before. So what I had to do was like basically learn by myself, how am I going to do this? What do I do from here? What do I do next? So I feel like that was like the very like shocking moments. Like I got there and it's like, this isn't what I thought it was at all. But I was lucky to have a group of friends that helped me get through it. I was like my support system. Two of them are here, Jenny and Adonelli. So like, and then Caleb, we had our other friend, you know, like without them, I don't know what I would have done. Cause I mean, it's just support you can count on. So that's like one of my biggest shockers of college. And when you think about that support, what do you remember about it specifically that was helpful? What was most helpful about what they were able to do for you? So what I remember was just being able to reach out to them and ask them for help. Just be like, hey, what do I do? I'm stuck. Like, or like, hey, I'm going through something. Can you help me? Like, just give me your words of wisdom. And they're very like, I don't know, he's very wise. Like, I've reached out to her so many times when I'm struggling and she's just like, just calm down. You've got this. Like there was this one instance where like I called her crying for no, I don't know why, but she just told me like, calm down. It's going to be fine. Just breathe. God's with you. So that's just a support that like they reassure you that you can do it. All right, Adonelli, what was it like for you versus what you thought versus what you got? Well, I think for me, I thought I was going to be prepared. I really thought that I was going to be able to nail college, right? You know, I thought I, I had the tools. I mean, I, again, I am a first generation college student, but I've always been very determined. I've always, you know, pushed myself in school. I've always, you know, tried really hard. So I thought, you know, college, yeah, it's going to be hard, but I got this. But going into college, I, it was like a slap to the face of just how unprepared I was, you know, because I remember an instant where, you know, you're getting to meet all these students, right? A lot of them know what they're going to do. A lot of them know 
uh, words that just weren't in my vocabulary. I remember once they were like, oh, so what's your major? I was like, major? What's a major? You know, and I'm going into college and I'm like, I don't even know what a major means. And I think for me, that was the biggest shock was just how much of college I had no clue of, you know, so it was hard navigating. It was hard trying to be smart, but yet I didn't know the basics of what a major was, what a degree was. I didn't even know what degree I was getting until like later when I found out, oh, I'm getting my bachelor's like that's what I'm getting. But it was hard. I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, you can do it. College is possible. It's easy. No, it's not. To be completely honest, it was hard. I can't sugarcoat it because if there is students watching us, it's it's hard. Mentally, it's hard. Physically, it's hard. Um, Again, I'm super grateful for the friends that I had that I found. I really do believe God placed them in my life because they helped me grow. They helped me become better. They helped me navigate through the unknown. And I'm super grateful, too, for the professors that took the time to get to know me, to talk to me, to to help me. I mean, there was a time where I had missed my FAFSA deadline and and that was my my way of getting money to, to go to school, you know, and just being able to just go to my professor's offices and talking to them and then really taking the time to listen to me, pray for me and just be there for me. I mean, that was just such a boost of of confidence that I needed because they saw in me what I couldn't see. And so just with their help, their support and their love towards me just made me want to push even more, even when I was at at the lowest point that I could have been in college. I'm grateful. And I think that, you know, that definitely helped me get through it. But yeah, at the beginning, I thought I was ready for college, but I was very quickly reminded just how unprepared I was. Well, now that we're exploring a little bit about that, those feelings and realities of not being as prepared as we'd like, what were some of the hurdles that you each experienced in college, or perhaps even that you would like to share about what you saw friends experiencing? And let's start this time with Adrian. Some of some hurdles that I experienced, I think paying for college is one of them. Since I was a first gen student, it's like, you realize how expensive it can get like books, your supplies, all the stuff you need. If something breaks down, like I'll use an example right now, like my laptop, I had it for three years. It broke. I don't know. Or like I'm out whatever amount of cost, you know? So it's like, I have to get it replaced. So that's like a big hurdle. And then my first year I actually had to pay out of pocket for school. I had not a lot, but that was really hard for me because I wasn't expecting to. So I think that was a big hurdle. Another hurdle is just the load work that they give you, like, it's not what you, you're not prepared for it sometimes. Like some professors will give you so much work that it's like, wh- where do I have the time to do this? You, I have five other classes that I'm taking, but this one's consuming so much. So just managing my time was something that I really, a hurdle that I had to get over and had to practice because I said, if you don't do this right now, you're not gonna be able to do it down the line when it gets harder. So that was my biggest obstacle. I remember I was giving a workshop to faculty right before we started a school year about Canvas, and I was really surprised that, I, don't, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm insulting them, but I was just, it was just one of those things I thought they would always know, that when they put their assignments and tests and due dates and all that in Canvas, that when you saw it on your end, it wasn't just their class. <laughs> 
it was all of your classes and I was kind of like I remember I was I remember like trying to force my face to not look the way that it was looking because I'm like how could you not like how could you not understand that a student would see not just your class in Canvas, but all of the classes combined. But back to all, and I think about that all those years ago, I sort of wish that we all could see that all the time. I mean, obviously we have our own classes. We can, on our calendars, we can see all of our class dates in there, but I sort of wish that we could have eyes to be able to see what that load looks like of the five classes or the six classes and just be able to really empathize, I think, a little bit better. In fact, I was at the Canvas conference a few years ago, and in some schools, this is rare, by the way, <laughs> but in some schools, they actually, and it was, it was, I think, master's programs, but they would actually coordinate their due dates so that there wasn't any week where, you know, there's going to be three exams on the same day or that kind of thing. So I definitely think that there's room for improvement. And I'm not insulting our school specifically. <laughs> this is definitely a challenge um, that I have heard about from all around the world. Um, Jenny, how about you? What do you think of when you think about challenges that you experienced or that you remember friends sharing with you? Yeah, I think some difficulties for me and the, um, from others that I've heard are being away from home from the first time, especially coming from a Latino, Hispanic like background, you know, our, our culture was very family oriented, very family first. And the longest I had been away from home before I went to college was probably two weeks. And it was when I went to Mexico. So that means, you know, I went probably the longest two weeks without seeing my mom, my dad, and my brother, just my immediate family. So when I went to college and I didn't see them the first two weeks, and I thought to myself, when am I going to see them again? Like I, it really hit me that one time and I started crying and I didn't know what to do. And of course I had my friends to help me because they could also relate to what I was feeling. So definitely that, you know, being homesick a lot of times too, also looking around the community and just kind of getting familiarized with stuff. It was really, I didn't have my car at first out there, but once I got in, I was driving around, I felt very, very, isolated. I felt, I was like, where am I? I have no idea where I am. I don't know this community. Where is the nearest Stater Brothers? Where can I go get an ice cream or like things like that? Because those are the kind of things that, you know, I did back home. Obviously I know where everything is here, but when I was over there, I was like, where, where am I going to go when I need something and things like that too. I think also kind of having to prepare to have those tough conversations with the parents so what I mean by that is like when I would tell my mom that I have this really really big exam coming up um I don't know what to do I'm kind of stressed and she would just tell me well just study just all you have to do is study that's it just study right and of course <laughs> she's definitely right but I had never it was just so much new material I didn't know how to study that I was like do I have to memorize every single term how do professors give tests in college how like is how is it different am I expected to write a certain way like what so it was very like all these little details that I never had to think about before because I'd been in this school system where I've grown up which is Palm Springs and it it was all the same and suddenly I went out here and everyone did things differently and it was hard to keep up with so I think that was definitely a really really big thing too and just being with so many, um, a really, in my eyes, a diverse population at Vanguard. It was amazing. But I remember going around and I was wearing, because uh, I grew up Catholic. So I was wearing like a little Virgin Mary necklace. 
And some girl looked at me and she said, why are you wearing that? That's a sin. And I said, excuse me. She's like, yeah, why are you wearing that? This is a Christian school. Why are you wearing that? I really didn't expect that in my head. I, up until that moment, I really thought, oh my gosh, I thought everyone was Catholic. All of my family members and everyone that I had seen out here in the Valley where I grew up, I thought we were all Catholic. So it was a really big, like 180 slap in the face thing for me, being around a whole diverse group of people and students who obviously were my age, but I really thought everyone that was my age thought exactly the way I did. So it was very much like tunnel vision, like pure ignorance. I really, I just didn't know. So it was, I was just opening my eyes a lot to the first time. So yeah, that's, that's what me and my friends talk about a lot. We're like, I didn't know that other people did this. Or like, I didn't know that it was, I don't know, so many things I can think of right now, but yeah, those are some of the things. And it's difficult because again, all of it at once is very overwhelming. So it's hard to kind of get used to it at the same time. So I would say those are some of the biggest things that I went through my first two years at college. Oh, I love the power of just how you told that story. I'm not sure I'd have the fortitude to tell it quite that way. I might be still carrying around some anger around that. But just the way you described it, I mean, really, truly, I don't know if you meant this, but so much of that can be the beauty when we cannot have our first response to just completely disengage and decide I'm done with you forever, you know, kind of thing that that you, you know, could describe it the way you described it now and just that ignorance, you know, because that's, that's what those kinds of comments are. But, you know, that's something so special to you. That's part of, you know, your life, your family, your belief system. So yeah, wow. All right. Adonelli, how about you? What are some of the hurdles that you experienced or that you had friends share with you about their experiences? Yeah. Um, I think some of the hurdles that I went through was definitely, you know, how Adrian said the money, money was definitely one of the hurdles that I know I went through. And I know a lot of other students went through. I remember just the way the school system was set up. Um, you can get lunch certain date, certain times. And if you didn't make it in those times, then you weren't able to get food. So, you know, sometimes I would go, you know, day, not, I don't want to say days, but I would go a day, you know, I didn't really get a meal because, you know, I had a next class. I couldn't make that meal at that time that it was available for me to get it or, you know, whatever. So I would definitely spend some time in class thinking more about I'm hungry and I want to get something to eat, but I don't have money to go buy something. So, you know, sometimes it was difficult to stay, you know, concentrated. And then knowing that my family wasn't close, uh, my parents, they moved to Oklahoma my freshman year. So it wasn't like I could go home and pick up some meals. You know, I, I couldn't do that. So those were some of the, like, the things that I went through um, that were a little difficult and just definitely not having anybody there. You know, I couldn't just go home on the weekend and spend time with my family because they were so far away. And that caused a lot of depression. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was moments where I would be in, in my room crying in the bathroom, you know, just because I, I just felt so alone. And yet I, I did have friends. They were great. They were amazing. But when you're really alone at night and you're just thinking about how there isn't no one there, you know, it does it does hit you pretty hard. And like Jenny said, I'm very, very much family oriented. They mean everything to me. So just having that 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 shock to me, just knowing that I was by myself and I, I, and I had to find a way to get through it and I couldn't give up 
because like Jenny said, you know, I was, failure wasn't an option. I had to keep going because everyone was looking for me to be successful, to, to, to graduate and to do something different. So, um, and I know that, that, that happened with a lot of students. Uh, many students were like, I, I haven't ate. I didn't get to eat and and they would spend more time thinking about food in class and about the lecture, you know? So just things like that, that I, that I had a couple, I struggled a little bit. In. <laughs> yeah. I actually want to fast forward us a little bit and have you tell me about the meeting with Dr. Jackson in the fall of 2019, where I know it was one of the spaces where you began to share these conversations in a more public way, or at least in a more public way with someone like a professor. So who would like to start with this story? So I remember we were talking to Dr. Jackson. It was early September of 2019. We were just talking to her about what we were going through, like the problems we had, because I was going through some problems at home because my mother wasn't working. So we were just going through some financial troubles. And we were just talking over like how things could get better, what we could do. And then she had on her syllabus this email that, they were starting a resource center at school, but no one really knew about it. It was just there. So she was the only ones that had it on her syllabus on her syllabus at the time. Not many professors had it, even though it wasn't out of faculty. So we got the idea of saying, hey, like we would like to help with that. Like, is there any way we could help? So she said, Yeah, like I'll can I'll get you connected to Amanda. And then from there it just happened. So it was just I think it was a very powerful meeting that day just because we got to share a lot of what we were going through. And Dr. Jackson's an amazing person. She, she's amazing. Like she helped me a lot. Like, and I've talked to her like by myself, like I've gone to her office and just talked to her about what's going on in my life, some issues that I've had. And every time I leave her office, I feel, I feel enlightened. So that's why I feel like she's, she was a great person to talk to this. And one of the reasons that we got involved now, I, I obviously wasn't there in the room because you would have seen me. It's not that big of an office. But in some ways, I feel like I've got some pictures of what it might have been like if I had gotten to hear your stories. Would would either Adonelli or Jenny, would you tell a story that you, if you remember this at all, about sort of a chain of establishments that other students would get to visit and you're like, wait, I missed dinner today. So do you, do you know what I'm talking about where it's like, okay, you're hearing about other people who are, who went to here and then they went to here and then they went to here and then they went to here. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I remember. It, well, because it, we were talking about just how, um, you know, obviously it's a Christian school, private school, so some kids have money. And, you know, we would hear about students going to Disneyland, students going out to eat every day and just spending their money like crazy. And then we were here like, you know, if you don't have, if you don't know where to spend it at, you know, you can give it to me because I really need it, you know, but it was just kind of like, wow, I can't believe these students are able to do this. You know, I'm over here struggling, but yet you guys, and, and it wasn't like we were envious. That was not the issue. It was just, it kind of, you know, it was like, dang, I wish I could do that. But, you know, I have to spend my money wisely and I have to make this money stretch. I got to make this, this dollar stretch, you know, but yeah, it was a little hard just hearing everybody like, Hey, we're going to Disneyland this weekend, or Hey, we're doing this this weekend. And we were just like, have fun and take pictures. Yeah. Earlier, you know, we were talking about textbooks and, and that was for me when I be first became a professor, I didn't really have an appreciation of relatively speaking, how expensive textbooks can be. I mean, I knew 
how much they cost, but do you know what I mean? Like that, how difficult, what a burden that that was. And so, cause, cause when I was in college my mom would just come with the credit card and swipe it. I never even, I would have, I could not tell you how much they cost. Cause I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't on my dime. And, and she would even like to look at the recommended reading. And back then they would have the recommended reading sitting out too. And she'd be like, just, just like all kinds of books. And so that was a big cultural difference for me. And I suppose you could also probably say a class difference, not just culturally, but class wise too, where I had to learn, wow, I, I need to have my eyes opened so that I can do a better job. And I've really radically changed how I think about textbooks. And it's not just me, but you know, there's a lot of change that's happening in higher education, I think for the better when it comes to recognizing both the the costs associated, but also the inequities that perpetuate through textbook, traditional textbooks. Yeah. Well, this, this part of the story, you started telling us about going to see Dr. Jackson, and then she connected you with someone named Amanda Lebrecht, who I have the great privilege of working really closely with. And that's actually how I came to know all of you, which is really great. So then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, over many, many months and lots of hard work, the Living Well Community Resource Center opened in, I believe it was January of 2020. And it, I mean, it's a wonderful story, but I don't want to dismiss the amount of work that went into that. And I mean, Amanda is just a really wonderful leader. And I know she's been such a tremendous difference in each of your lives. And there are countless people. I was going through this PowerPoint slide deck of, of just, and it has all these photos of all these, including you and your friends who, who helped to launch the center as well. I'm just thinking back to all the people that really had to work so hard and sacrifice so much for it to open. Uh, I'm going to ask Jenny this question. Jenny, if people were able to come visit Vanguard and, and come inside the living, could you kind of give us a, an audible tour of what we would see at the Living Well Community Resource? center what's there and what's it like yeah of course so it's changed a lot since um it first opened in january at first there we didn't even have a sign um so you go in a building that's kind of a little bit far away from campus on the left side and you keep going and you should um see a sign that says living well so you go in there and it's it's definitely very hitting it's not um like out in the open and we purposely chose a location like that because we know that a lot of students, again, especially coming from, I don't know, I guess a little bit more like, I want to say Hispanic Latino backgrounds, because that's definitely since Vanguard is an HSI, Hispanic Survey Institution. So a lot of the students who actually need help happen to be from that culture. And there's a lot of like, I don't want to say shame, but there's a lot of like, we just want to keep it hidden. We don't want to, you know, oh, like, cause no one's ever going, raising their hands. Like, Hey, I need help. Can you give me free food or something like that? A lot of, there's a lot of like pride in all that stuff. So because of that, we kind of kept it like, Hey, we can keep it over here to the left side, kind of hidden just so students feel more comfortable and are willing to actually go and, you know, want to ask for help. So you see that sign, you walk in, there should be at least two people that are greeting you. And one of them will ask you, hey, have you filled out the, the little questionnaire? And on that questionnaire, they just we just ask um, how many times do you plan on coming here a week, a month, like a year, like things like that. And it's just to help us see how much food we need throughout the year. Keep a track of that, too. And then also we ask for the student ID. Again, it's anonymous. We just 
which that I, we're not going to go look it up, but it helps us keep track of how many people we are serving every single week or every single day. And again, that's those numbers. We go and show like the president, the school, like people who, you know, are, have more power to say, Hey, you can keep running the center. You know, it's actually working and making a difference and things like that. So you walk in, you should see a beautiful sign whiteboard. It says, welcome to the living well resource center. And we have the hours right there. And immediately you see all the food. There's a bunch of chips, snacks, canned goods. We recently got, um, over the summer when I went over there, there was two new fridges and that wasn't like that before. It used to be carpet and it wasn't, um, we couldn't have fridges like that. So there was a whole process of it getting approved. And then once we had the fridges, we got like milk, yogurt, like fresh produce, orange apples, things like that too. And there's, I don't currently, I don't, don't think there's a limit. You can basically take um, as much as you want. And we kind of encourage that too, because some of, because the food is there for so long is sometimes students don't always go. Um, we don't want it to go to waste. So we encourage like, hey, take as much as you need as you can or things like that too. And the people that are there, they'll, they'll ask you like, is there anything you're specifically looking for? Or is there any other day that you think you can come? If we don't have the item that they want, we would just recommend them to come another day at, at a specific time. So that way they find what they're actually looking for. There's also a little closet in the back and those that has a lot of feminine products and also like shaving cream, um, pencils and books. There's a lot of clothes there, shoes, things like that, that people don't want anymore. And they just donate to the center and we can look through there and you can see whatever you want. And nothing is like not for grabs. You can really just um, take what you need, you know, and that's why it's there. That's why the, the resource center is there. And there's also a bunch of, um, there's a little corner for a bunch of snacks too, that you can just get, like, maybe you need to eat something during class. You don't have time to go to um, the cafeteria or, you know, cause sometimes the hours just don't match up with classes. Um, but the point is, you know, we have that. So hopefully no one has to think, what am I going to eat? Or like, can I have a snack or things like that too? So I would say it's really, really, um, really small, but it's definitely very, very impactful. So yeah, it's definitely, you just walk in, you do a whole loop. That's, that's how I would describe it, like a whole loop. And yeah, that's how I would say. I wanted to mention that actually we were very fortunate to be partnered up with a food bank here in Orange County, California called the Second Harvest Food Bank. And when you were describing, Jenny, some of the requirements, we couldn't have this, we couldn't have that. It was because they, in really good ways, would audit our operation to make sure that we are, for, for example, one of the things I remember is the reason that they're asking for people to document their information that we have to assure that no one is being discriminated against, like anyone in our Vanguard University community, faculty, staff, students, anyone can come and receive mm -hmm. help that they need. So that's part of their auditing process with this. And of course, the food safety precautions have to be there as well. And they've been a wonderful partner with this. And I just wanted to mention that I just feel really grateful that we were able to be connected. And I might not get this right. So please correct me if any of you know the correct stats. But for college food banks, most of them closed down in the pandemics in our in our county. And I think we're one of, is it one of three that yeah, we're able to- one of three that we're, we were able to stay open, so. Yeah, and that so, yeah, I mean, it's, 
It's different now. We don't have as many people living on campus and not as many people going to campus for classes, et cetera. But just that that's still um, able to be accessed, I think it's more important probably than ever. And when I just think about the timing, it's pretty amazing too. thinking about January 2020. You know, none of us could have foreseen what was about to happen and just how great that we had that support system throughout all of what we've been all experiencing. So, yeah. Yeah, Adrian. So I just wanted to add, talking about like these unusual times, like we were excited, like we didn't know what was going to happen in March. So, I mean, us launching in January of 2020 was amazing because we got this exposure, but then once like everything started to close, we had things at grocery, that you couldn't find at grocery stores. We had pasta, canned goods. And a lot of our guests said like, this is a lifesaver for us because we've been going to the store every day and we can't find anything. So like coming here, it's like, it's like, it's helpful. And just that it's free makes it even better because we get to see like these people happy saying like, Oh my God, I finally have something like we have this just in case we have all this and just carrying certain goods like produce milk now with our fridges. It makes it bigger and people are just able to come and enjoy stuff without having to spend their money because that's our goal. We want people to have food. We don't want, we want to reduce food insecurities. And that was the goal of the living well center for the food pantry part of it just make sure no one goes without a meal. And that's just one of our things that we're really focusing on. And Adrian, would you tell us the exciting news about what's next for the Living yes, Well Community uh, Resource Center? We're launching phase two of Living Well Resource Center. So we're next, actually this month, um, starting the 20th, we're launching the Career Closet. So it's a partnership with the Career Center. People can donate clothes, professional clothing for interviews, for their jobs and People are going to be able to make an appointment through career services and pick out clothes. We're going to have their sizes pulled out for them. It's going to be a very personal experience, personal enough with COVID guidelines, because we have to make sure we're safe. So we're going to have personal shoppers for the students um, that are going to be using it. We're going to pull out, we're going to fill out a quick survey, like what size are you? What size do you need? Is this for an interview, um, for your job, for a career fair? And then we're going to pull out everything that's their size. So that way they're able to look at these options like pants, shirts, accessories, handbags, shoes, and we're going to have all that. So we want to make sure that people that might not be able to afford um, professional clothing, they're going to be able to get it for free. And we're not doing a thing where we let you borrow it. You got to keep these clothes. So in case you need them in the future, they're yours to keep and yours to reuse whenever you want to use them. I'm going to read something that was posted on Instagram after the center launched, and then we'll go into the recommendation segment. So this was on Instagram, and this is someone who responded to a post. You probably even remember this. It was so early on and exciting to see, you know, people were posting pictures of the first meals that they prepared with food that they had received. So this is um, someone's response. When this initiative was announced, I cried. The summer between my sophomore and junior years, I ate either one packet of oatmeal and one can of ravioli or a packet of ramen nearly every day. I was working, but my resources were very, very limited. To have had access to something like this would have been an absolute life raft for me. I'm so grateful to know that our university is aware of students who may be going through a season of food insecurity and are doing something so proactive and generous about it today. This is beautiful. Thank you for sharing the progress of this program. And thank you to all three of you for sharing your stories today. And we're going to move over to the recommendations segment. 
Before we get to the recommendations segment of today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, and that is SaneBox. When we think about our email, so many times it can seem overwhelming, all of that information flying at us and not prioritized very well. Well, what SaneBox does is it scans the headers of your emails and sorts them into intelligent folders that are more prioritized than your email might normally be. So important email arrives and stays in your inbox, but those distraction emails are moved into, for example, a sane later folder for you to have a look at, not during the prime time of your day, but in a time when you just can quickly skim through them and see if there's anything important to you. There are all kinds of other features. One that I love is I can blind carbon copy SaneBox and have it remind me if I don't get a reply to an email in a certain number of days. So I don't have to add it to my task list or otherwise do extra work to make sure that someone gets the response that they are looking for. So it's really a wonderful service. And we've been using it, both Dave and I have been using it for a number of years now and get so much out of it. It's a very integral part of our our productivity system and really integral for managing our inbox. And if you head over to sanebox.com slash T-I-H-E, they will give you a free 14-day trial and also a $25 credit toward your subscription. Again, that was sanebox.com slash T-I-H-E and Sanebox can help you take back control of your inbox. Thanks again, Sanebox, for sponsoring today's episode. I wanted to recommend that if anyone feels inspired and moved by this story, I wanted to recommend a few organizations that you could donate to to support this kind of work. So first off, I'd love to see those of you interested in donating to the Living Well Community Resource Center at Vanguard University. I'll have a link in the show notes that and there's a donation page. It's really easy to do and would be a wonderful way to support the three people joining me today in their sharing their story and just the inspiration of what a difference they have made for our institution. In fact, I titled this episode, Transforming a University. And that is what you three have done, as well as your colleagues who weren't able to be with us today. The second organization is a nationwide organization. It's the Hope Center. And I've had a prior guest, Sarah Goldrick Rabb, who has talked about the hashtag Real College Initiative, and they have some wonderful programs to support research. In fact, we we didn't just open the center, but we also did some research to support the need for it. We did our own basic needs survey, and we used their foundational data set in order to establish our questions and research methodology. So that's a wonderful organization. And lastly, I'd just like to share about the Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County, which is the organization that we're partnered with. Not the only one, but just the major one that's, I think, twice a week showing up and providing those deliveries of food and other non-perishables. So um, another wonderful organization to give to. And Adonelli, I'm going to pass it over to you for your recommendation. Yeah, so I think my recommendation would be um, definitely for teachers, professors, you know, just take the moment to get to know your students, ask them questions, uh, take those final five minutes of class just to pull, you know, two or three students and just talk to them, ask them how their day is, really ask them what's going on, what are they going through. I was grateful to have professors that did that, took the time to ask me 
what was wrong, if I was okay, how it, how it was going. And it just built relationship. It built uh, just being able to just speak to my professors more openly. You know, when I was going through something, it was easier for me to be real and tell them like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. So I think that, you know, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes that you take just to speak, just to just to let them know that you're there and that you care about their future and you care about them. It's such a boost of confidence. It's such a motivation to know that you're there to help me and you care about my future. Thank you. Adrian, how about you? All right, so I have a show to recommend. It's on Netflix. It's called Designated Survivor. It's a kind of like conspiracy thriller, drama, action TV show. It's only three seasons, but I feel like most people would really enjoy it. It's about the government. And I just, well, I had nothing to do this winter break. So I just went on Netflix and I had remembered watching the first episode when I came back about when it came out three years ago. And I've watched it again, but then it popped up on my recommended. So I binged watched it. I finished all three seasons in less than a week. Not the best thing to do, but it's a really good show. So I recommend people watch it. It's called Designated Survivor. Thank you so much. And Jenny, how about you? Uh, I recommend a book called Trauma Stewardship. It's called also An Everyday Guide to Caring for Self While Caring for Others. And it's by Laura Van Der Newt Lipsky with Connie Burke. And it really emphasizes the like self-care, self-love, self-grace, self-respect, you know, caring for yourself, especially in the time where um, <laughs> I think we can definitely ignore that because there's so much going on and it's like you don't know how much um, mentally and physically you're putting your body through so yeah definitely definitely recommend it's super cool it's a really easy read and I really like it because I've just kind of learned new ways to take care of myself yeah and it definitely emphasizes also I would add how much the trauma that we see on an everyday basis from not even just as a essential worker, um, whether it be in medical or mental or um, whatever department of it, but just even growing up. So the, you know, the things we experienced, how they kind of shaped us, whether we consciously recognize it or not, how they kind of shaped our, our worldview. So yeah, it's really, really cool. And I really, really like it. Oh, all three of these recommendations sound so good. And I don't want you to shame yourself, Adrian, for binge watching, because if you do, then I have to. <laughs> I, I, have, I can't even share the shows that I've been binge watching because I have to save them up for future recommendations. But <laughs> people will hear about it in future episodes. I've definitely been doing my share. So I think, you know, you're talking about trauma, Jenny, that it's so important that we don't numb ourselves because sometimes we need to feel all the feelings <laughs> but then there is sort of sometimes healthy compartmentalization and I think that perhaps Adrian can be our Netflix binges sometimes or in my case Hulu or Apple TV plus there's so much good stuff out there all right so thank you all three of you for joining me on today's episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I've been excited about this conversation since we first started talking about doing this. I didn't mention this earlier, but Adonelli was in my class this last semester. And so we just sort of 
I thought about it for a while and then I just sort of awkwardly randomly <laughs> brought it up with her and then she brought it back up with me and here we are today. It's just such a great honor to get to hear your story and have others get to hear about it as well. Anytime I ever have students come on the podcast, it's always some of people's favorite episodes because we love to hear your stories. And this is an incredible, incredible story. You've done amazing work. And when um, I know Adonelli, you've already graduated, but the other two of you, when you graduate in another semester... You're leaving this place behind. It's never going to be the same because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks once again to Adonelli Jimenez, Adrian Delgado, and Jenny Vargas for joining me for today's episode of Teaching in Higher Ed, number 345, Transforming a University. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you would like to sign up for the weekly Teaching in Higher Ed updates, you can do that over at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. And even if you've been subscribing for a while, there's a new format that you might have noticed in the recent week or two. And I hope that you're enjoying that new way of getting even more out of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast. See you next time.